listening to Left of the Dial. I'm your host, Andrea. And with me today, we have a guest I'm so excited to talk to. If you follow Left of the Dial, you're definitely already familiar with this guest. Belle is a singer-songwriter from right here in Philly who joined us at the end of 2021 for a really wonderful studio session that we love so, so much. And who just last week, we featured Belle's song Beaches on the podcast and who we featured in our big, like, big March 25th music review just a couple of days ago. Welcome to Left of the Dial to the to the podcast. Belle, hi, how are you? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. So the song that folks heard coming in was Delilah. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about that song? Yeah, um, it's the second song from the record. Um, it's uh, maybe one of the more like kind of up-tempo songs that I've written. Kind of strange for me. Um, And I wrote it kind of in the middle of quarantine, (laughs) the quarantine haze. So it's been it's been sitting around for a while, but I've played it live um, definitely far more than uh, folks have heard it on the record, obviously. (laughs) Um, But uh, but yeah, it's 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 a fun song. I'm I'm happy that it's out. You said it's, you know, uh, maybe not as 
typical for you to write these more up-tempo songs? Was was that like a conscious thing where you're like, you know what, I want there to be some songs on this album that are a little more beat or did that come a little more naturally with this one? It's interesting that you ask that. The answer is kind of twofold. Um, <laughs> I definitely know that songs that I've written in the past have a tendency to write kind of slower, more mellow, maybe melodramatic songs. Um, so I definitely did want to change it up a little bit. I was also at home. So I was listening to a lot of my parents' music and my brother's music. And that really has an influence on me. So I was thinking about other kinds of music. Um, but then a big thing, which is maybe a little embarrassing is I've decided I hate finger picking on stage. It just makes me anxious. <laughs> so I was like, I have to write more strumming songs <laughs> so I can like make performing easier on myself. <laughs> uh, no, I, I love that. That's It's practical. And it also gave you just like a different way to have to think about writing this song, right? I totally. Think that's really interesting. Totally. That's funny. We had a pronoun on a few months back and Elise was saying that she had started realizing she for, she was like forgetting to write in places to breathe when yeah. she was playing live yeah. and had to start thinking about that. I love stuff like that. That's so interesting. Yeah. You said you're you were listening more to like your your parents and your brother's music. And I know your brother worked um alongside you on this yes. album a lot. But are there are there any examples you can think of that really kind of um uh, maybe their influence <laughs> is is a little more apparent to you anyway on this yeah. album? Yeah. Um People have pointed out to me that there's a lot of, like, kind of prog elements sort of secretly on the huh. record, which I think is kind of a um, – <laughs> that was maybe more subconscious. Um, I've <laughs> been a prog fan for a long time, and, and I never, like, thought of myself as, like, a prog artist, and, and I don't – still don't think of myself <laughs> as a prog artist, but I think it sneaks its way in there. So definitely that. My parents listened to – they're in a Grateful Dead cover band. And so they listened to a lot of Grateful Dead That's and that amazing. kind of stuff. So I was listening to a lot of that when I was at home. My brother makes a lot of hip hop. My other brother is a jazz musician. He's at school for jazz. So there's just like a lot of stuff that I don't really have in my music floating around in my family. Um, I think I was taking a lot of that in when I was writing this song and then other songs on the record as well. That's that's so interesting. The stuff that like little bits of uh, just like little molecules that make their way, not a scientist, but like that make their way into your DNA. Yeah. <laughs> There's one little moment in this song that I love so much. And it's the little sigh in the middle of tired refrain <laughs> that you I, it was so smart and so clever. And I had to like scrub back the first time I heard it. So I was like, oh, I just love that so much. I'm so glad you caught that. So it's fun. It's so funny that you brought up what Pronoun said about having to write in breaths because that's what that was. <laughs> I was like, I can't breathe. I'm going to just put a place in here where I can take a breath. That's so smart. It works so well with the song. I love that. I'm glad that that came through. There are all yeah. those kinds of moments that I feel like um, just were part of the writing process that I was like, huh, I'm noticing that. I wonder if anyone else will pick up on it. That's been the, the most um, gratifying part of having this music out, it's just sat in me for such a long time. And now people are noticing things about it that I didn't really, when I started making music, never thought anyone would listen close enough to hear that kind of thing. So it means a lot. Thank you. Oh, I, I love that. No, thank you for, for sharing this with us, really. It's such a special album. Thanks. Is there is there anything else about Delilah you want to talk about before we move on to um, Russian Doll? I think we'll be next. I think something I've been thinking about a lot is the relationship between honesty and truth-telling um, in that, like, <laughs> pe people have been asking me since the record came out, like, who is that song about? And, <laughs> like, did that really happen? And what is that line referencing? And things like that. Um, and I, I always try to try to be honest when I'm writing. I'm always – I think – I like to think I'm always honest when I'm writing – but I think there's a difference between that and telling the truth. <laughs> and I think, like, that's kind of why I like to pull from myth a lot. So Delilah is sort of based on um, on a Hebrew Bible story, mm -hmm. um, but it's also sort of mythic in the way that's kind of trying to um, veil a story in, in metaphor and kind of grandiose imagery. I <laughs> very few of the like specific images in this song actually happened. 
And I think I was trying to construct a story that could be imagined more so than it is like exactly accurate to what I experienced. I, I love that so much. That's such a like just smart way to approach something. So the next song we'll be listening to is Russian Doll. Russian Doll was a song I wrote kind of in the aftermath of a breakup. I wrote it on the train. Oh, my God. I'm just really realizing this. I wrote this <laughs> on the train to visit Philadelphia before I moved here. 
So I was coming oh. to, um, I'd already gotten a job here. I was coming to visit and I, and I wrote it on the train. That's so funny. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but it's kind of about um, when you end a relationship with someone and you spent such a long time thinking of yourself in a certain way as being partnered with them, reimagining who you are in the, in the wake of that and like how the self changes both in in the positive of like now I have a chance to kind of redefine myself and also in the in the absence and um well what am I now and what's left of me and um what will I be to this person is I think kind of the core question of of the song yeah that's such a like uh, often difficult kind of like nebulous space to be in right of yeah. that like like you said that looking forward but also still being kind of in in the past a little bit yeah and trying to kind of find some like I don't know, some like grounding in there. Yeah. It's a song also that I felt like I had uh, no idea what to do with until we got <laughs> into the studio. And in fact, um, we took a day off from recording kind of halfway through the week, which wasn't, you know, out of necessity because of our work schedules, but ended up being like really, really important. So highly recommend taking a day off <laughs> if you're recording an album. My brother and I were sitting in um, in my house, kind of talking about the, the stuff that still needed to get done, kind of looking at our checklist, thinking about the next couple of days of recording. And uh, something that I love about making music with my brother is that a lot of our process of working together is trying to make each other laugh. <laughs> and um, and I, the, the riffs, the kind of dual bass and guitar riffs that come in at the end of the song, mm-hmm. um, I started playing something that I thought was very stupid <laughs> as we were listening to the song. And he was like, oh, I can top that stupid thing with this stupid thing. <laughs> and we ended up duetting it. And then we sort of recorded it on our phone. We listened back and we were like, that actually sounds really good. <laughs> I love that some of the most special moments of the record c- came from that, like, the keyboard solo in Or Nothing was like Eli trying to make me laugh. And um, I, I love that that humor has a place in this music. I I love that so much because it's not something you listen to and think, oh, that's so stupid yeah. and clearly like <laughs> yeah. two people joking with each other. Yeah. Um, but it but it's got some like levity there yeah. anyway yeah. That, that comes through in that way. And that's, that's really fascinating. I've never heard anybody talk about um, – Kind of like writing and collaborating that way necessarily, yeah. Especially on these songs, which which I don't think anybody would say are particularly funny to begin totally, with. Totally, right? <laughs> totally. So. Well, that's the that's also part of it. Is this song in particular needed levity because mm-hmm. it was so? Um, it was one of this. Like I, I cried when I was singing the vocals <laughs> when I was recording the vocals. Um, it's it's just a really like hard song for me to sing. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, I, yeah, I needed something that was a little bit lighter or something that could, like, change the tone a little bit. Otherwise, it was just mm-hmm. going to be, like, too much. <laughs> <laughs> Can you – I'm really interested in – this is maybe just a me thing, but in in siblings who do work together. Yeah. And like you said, a lot of it is is about making each other laugh. But can you talk about that process and kind of, like, have you, have you kind of always worked together this way? Is this new – it's interesting um no for a long time I we were not competitive I would say but um we were kind of doing our own thing Mm -hmm. um I would not have gotten started playing music if it weren't for my brothers we were gifted the video game rock band for (laughs) my bat mitzvah (laughs) and uh my younger brother sat down at that like tiny plastic drum kit and immediately started wailing on it and we were like oh within weeks he was playing achilles last stand by zeppelin (laughs) and it was like oh (laughs) and wasn't a drummer before no (laughs) he just like did it yeah, it was really it was uh it was a lot. So wild. Yeah. So like rock band really is like it's, it's yeah, I have my whole life to thank. <laughs> um, That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh so we but we sort of we started at kind of the same music program. We were all taking lessons kind of at the same time. 
but we ended up in very different directions with it. Um, I didn't really start playing my own music until college, and we were on our own journeys, and Eli was dancing mostly, and um, it wasn't until really quarantine, I think, that got us kind of reunited as and like making music together again. And then we we released a single shortly after kind of the heart of quarantine. And then I asked him to help with this album. So it's, I guess, been, been a pretty recent thing, but I, I couldn't imagine doing it without him at this point. It's been, I try every time we record, I'm like, this isn't going to be a quarantine episode. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not gonna. But every time it's like, it's so crazy to think about yeah. how much people's music I mean everything obviously yeah but every one of these conversations I have it seems like there's a moment where like something really shifts and it's because we were stuck kind of inside and yeah. had to like, figure out different ways to do things and totally wow yeah it's been I like it I can't really imagine what the last couple of years would have been like if it if it hadn't happened where would I be mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, there are parts of it that I'm grateful for. I'm not grateful for the overall experience. (laughs) I would rather it had, you know, didn't happen, Mm -hmm. but here we are in a reality where it did. And it's like, we, you know, some, some really good things. Yeah. Yeah. And to be able to like, I mean, to, to say that we lost two years totally is, is is hard to think about. So it's important that there are some moments that we can really hold on to. And, and I think, yeah, this album coming out the way that it did I mean I'm I'm sure you would have been making music otherwise like you said but yeah it's interesting to think about maybe what this what it would have been if not for so yeah definitely I think um definitely spending time at home with my family was this um regenerative and restorative thing but also really brought me back to the place that I was in when I started making music the kind of curiosity and excitement that comes when you're a kid learning an instrument for the first time. I think I got mm-hmm. to kind of come back to that place a little bit, which was exciting. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Yeah. I love that. So yeah, so that was Russian Doll. And now let's talk about Or Nothing. i 
Yeah, or nothing was uh, a big surprise. Um, this fun little surprise that I didn't realize was going to happen. Um, <laughs> I kind of – I wrote it in the shower, which is a unique thing for me. <laughs> I don't usually – usually my writing process looks a lot like I get a bunch of lyrics down on a page and I sort of put music onto that. The writing process for or Nothing was very much music, lyrics, music, lyrics, music, lyrics, kind of going back and forth between the two, oh. um, which was interesting. I uh, I wrote it one night kind of late, went to bed, woke up the next morning, sent a voice memo to my brother um, of me playing the song on this. I have this classical Yamaha nylon string guitar that was <laughs> gifted to me by a professor in college. And oh, cool. it just so happened to be um, the closest instrument to my bed when I woke <laughs> up. <laughs> so I was like, I'll play it on this. <laughs> And uh, and I sent it to him, and on the, like, am I allowed to swear? Yeah. Okay. Say whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> on the shitty voice memo, um, my hand strumming against the wooden, the dusty wooden body of the guitar sounded like a shaker. <laughs> and so Eli heard that and was like, oh, there's a shaker on this. I was like, I love the shaker. And I was like, I don't know what you're no. talking about. <laughs> it's 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I just woke up. Um <laughs> And we're not getting into shakers right now. Yeah, I did not put enough. I like I put three minutes into this. It's like, uh, and Eli was like, "No, I like I hear I hear a whole vibe coming out of this." Um, And I could not, for the life of me, hear what he heard until we got into the studio and he laid down the drum track. And he he knew what he was hearing kind of immediately, and I super didn't. Right, Um, Right. But as soon as that drum track came down, I think the whole song started to to form a little bit more, um, which was cool. It was, and I think is a testament to um, not just like the power of our, of of collaboration, specifically our collaboration, but also like um, being willing to try new things and kind of ambiguity tolerance in general, which is a new thing for me too. (laughs) So, so not usually how you approach <laughs> no like writing in general with in with um with other songs I've recorded I I would have like whole pages with like exactly what instrument is gonna happen when and I knew exactly what was going into it and for most of the songs on this record it was a kind of a big surprise until we got into the studio which um which was a very cool experience yeah it's it sounds like I. I love a story that's like, I don't know, it like <laughs> something crazy happened and yeah. we just kind of ran with it. Yes. And, and now here's this song. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. There's, forgive me for not remembering what song it's on. And also, oh boy, now I'm going to try to <laughs> describe a thing that it sounds to me like, um, like, uh, window blinds being pulled oh. up really quickly. <laughs> I think you're talking about Hudson and I think you're talking about the um it's after the line rinse off all the pesticides try your best to eat and then goes rinse off all the pesticides and try your best to eat. And when 100% Hudson, it's Hudson cuz that's why I didn't write it down cuz I knew we weren't talking about it. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. That's, yep. Yeah. So that's a tape measure. Um oh, so that. yeah, one of those little metal <laughs> metal tape measures. We were, again, another song. I know that we're not, like, specifically talking about this one. We can talk about anything, though, yeah. <laughs> but that was another song, like, Russian Doll, where um, I was like, this song is so fucking heavy. <laughs> it's so, <laughs> it's, it could, it, there are so many ways that that could have, that song could have been just, like, just, like, mopey, sad, slow, heavy. <laughs> and and I, I just wasn't really interested in doing that on this album, especially with how much fun we were having when we were making it, that I was like, it doesn't really make sense to do something just like, you know, so sluggish right now. Mm-hmm. So um, we were walking around the studio looking for things that could make noise because we were kind of kind of bored with the instruments that were around. And um, I think Joanna, who is the audio engineer, um, found this tape measure and started playing around with it. We're like, that makes a funny noise. My my dad thought I was crunching into an apple. (laughs) (laughs) It's all like weird Foley art. Yeah. 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 so funny. There's like pats at the, lap pats at the end of that song. Yeah. We were trying to just experiment 
Yeah. I now I'm I'm totally spiraling out on like what kind of psychology is happening and what people think they're hearing <laughs> yeah. in a sound that they can't <laughs> it's true. identify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true. You like you have some picture in your mind. Yeah. I mean it would make sense if it was like my dad described it as like a crunch, which mm-hmm. makes sense. It's coming after an a lyric about eating. Um right. but but no, we were just like, that's a funny noise. <laughs> Funny spending time in in the in the left of the dial studio lately has been really fun because like I'm I'm just I'm thinking of a, a couple of specific moments and one is when Catbite was in doing something mm-hmm. and Chris their drummer who's fantastic just came walking into the control room with like a metal just random I think it was like a like a piano bench like stand kind of thing uh-huh. and was just like can I go back <laughs> can I go bang on this record that and so like that's in one of their songs and then recently Katie from the lunar year was just sitting with a can just uh-huh. kind of like like uh flicking at it and mm-hmm. just very genuinely to herself was like I should go record this <laughs> you I mean you hear all these stories of these like greatest records of all time and you get as a fan you get so much joy out of finding little Easter eggs like that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, actually, that was played backwards on a, you know, <laughs> fucking this kind of thing. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, it's it's really exciting. I wasn't, like, specifically thinking about, I want to have the weirdest sounds. It was right. more like um, thinking about those stories. It gives you permission to think beyond what your instruments are meant to do in in a in a way that, like, really opens up new possibilities, I think. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I-, I love to hear that. But Hey, Leftos. It's Andrea. And me, Kitsy. From the past or the future or from right now, depending on when you're listening to this episode. We're here to tell you about all the very cool stuff you're missing out on if you're not keeping up with us at leftofthedial.fm. That's right. Head over there now to check out tons of album reviews and essays by our fantastic music writers, and you'll get to watch our incredible live sessions with bands like Teenage Bigfoot, Take Today, and Proper. And you can pick up those live sessions at leftofthedial.bandcamp.com so you can take them with you wherever you go. It's also a great way to support us and the musicians you love because we split all of our profits with the artists there right down the middle. You can also join our Patreon where we'll have lots of behind-the-scenes footage, early access to live sessions, performances that you won't be able to find anywhere else, and lots of pictures of my perfect dog, Pacey. Oh, he's so good. Follow us on Twitter at Left of the Dial PC and Instagram at Left of the Dial FM to keep up with everything we're doing and to see even more pictures of my perfect dog, Pacey. Oh, and right now we're also looking for new music writers who want to get paid to write for us. So send our editor-in-chief an email with some writing samples and or pitches at jen at leftofthedial.fm. That's leftofthedial.fm. Celebrating independent music. Characters welcome. Never go to the post office again. Let's go back. I'm so sorry. That was like so, totally so we're talking about nothing. We're talking about or nothing. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. Um, the whole song was a, a really fun, pleasant surprise. I've always wanted to make something like it. Didn't really know how it would come together. My favorite part of maybe the whole record and definitely this song is that like 2001 Space Odyssey keyboard solo. <laughs> It's just so so funny to me, <laughs> and 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 a good example of like trying not to take myself seriously or as seriously, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't have thought to describe it as as that, but the second <laughs> you you call it that, yeah, your your space odyssey uh, solo. That's that's exactly right. <laughs> that's that's so fun. Yeah, it is. It's. I really I love that you're. I, I don't know if willingness is is the word that I want, but like to not to not be like so married to form and content, if yeah. that makes sense. I think sometimes we expect things to. We were talking about this. I don't remember. It was a recent episode with a, a friend of mine, Mike D, who was on talking about Nancy Sinatra mm-hmm. um, a couple of weeks ago. Love it. But of like we're we're so uh, kind of like programmed for patterns and to be like ready to expect something especially in music I think yeah um and that so much of your music doesn't do what you're expecting it to do when (laughs) when you'd be expecting it to do it it's really like I don't know refreshing I think is a lazy word for for people who review music but it is it's it's fuck a chorus that's that's my (laughs) mantra (laughs) that's that's the pull clip for this episode just so you know I feel I feel uh 
I feel like part of that comes from writing lyrics first, which I know I didn't really do on or nothing. Um, but uh, I think when you see the words written out, you become so much less interested in what the form is and so much more interested in, wh like, where does the story want to go now? And um, what do I even feel like saying next? And if I just write, like, four random words in a row, like, what could I do with that? <laughs> I think the breakdown at the end of Or Nothing, um, the song sort of briefly is about uh, really messing things up with a person who was important to me and um, feeling like it was really impossible to get away from that memory. Mm -hmm. um, in the breakdown, we sort of return to the one chord over and over, you know, kind of breaking the the form of the verse, but still pulling from the the same chord progression as in the verse. Right, right. Um, for me, that kept, that felt like the sort of internal process of, I'm thinking about a thing, but I'm trying not to. I'm thinking about it, I'm trying not to, but I keep just getting falling, pulled getting pulled back into this pattern of thought that I can't break away from. It's like the montage of images that you're trying to unsee, those intrusive thoughts that you're mm -hmm. like, no, I can't, I can't handle this right now. Um, it just keeps pulling you back in. Um, and I don't know that I would have gotten to that musical place if I hadn't come from a, a more of a writerly zone in that in mm -hmm. that specific moment because um, I could see the way that the words just wanted to go back into themselves. Yeah. It's such a, like, um, literary-minded way <laughs> to approach. I'm rolling my eyes at myself right now. <laughs> but it's just, um, I was, before I did whatever I do now, I was an English teacher, and it reminds mm -hmm. me so much in, like, lyrics are poetry, right? Poetry is lyrics. Yeah. Fine, that's, but it's... Um, the kind of thing I'd always be asking my students to be looking for. Yeah. Those, those kinds of, like, that's a, a kind of almost like a pattern that's breaking the pattern that yeah. we were talking about before. Yeah. Um, and I think that, yeah, that's, that it makes so much sense that then you'd be coming from a sort of lyrics first point yeah. of view for that to happen that way. I think I do. I think that um, I'm much more confident in my, like, ability as a writer than as a musician um, I've spent the last year as a music teacher. That's sort of what I do um, when I'm not playing. Um, but that that's sort of the first time that uh, that I've really spent time on the, the like the musical technique stuff. Um, I, f I feel like I kind of was a writer first. Um, also was a theater kid in high school. <laughs> and I think a big thing that I learned from doing theater is that everything that you see on the page has its own meaning. And that you, everything, even if you repeat something, it has to be different the second time you say it or the third time. There's a reason why we say things over and over again. I've kind of tried to internalize that in writing too. Like what new meaning can I put into this word even if I'm saying it a thousand times in the song? Right. That's so thoughtful. It's such a thoughtful way to to approach that. It's, that's really fascinating. Can I, this is just me now being nosy. Was your... Um, what were you, what did you go to college for? Was it music? I know I studied media <laughs> studies. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> it was like a, like an interdisciplinary program. Um, mm -hmm. You could kind of puzzle piece together your curriculum. Um, but the whole sort of theme Love was like that. the way that media interacts with um, social institutions and organizations. And um, it was cool. It was, I mean, it was fantastic. I kind of focused on, um, uh, gender and music and gender and feminist literature. That was like what my uh, senior thesis was about. That's, I, I know this is a music podcast, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to, but it couldn't be more up my alley. And we could, oh, I could talk, I could talk for, we could do an entire That's other podcast awesome. episode about all of that. I love that so much. That's so cool. It was fun. Um, it was like, um, in my in my thesis, I, this does not have to be in the podcast. Um, <laughs> in my thesis, I was like, I was thinking about like uh, Virginia Woolf in a room of one's own, and the idea of a um, feminist literary tradition and what that would look like as a songwriter's tradition um, for women songwriters in music. Yeah. So uh, it was a that's... it was a fun experiment. I I love that so much. I want to ask a million questions, but we'll, we're here to talk we're about We're here to talk about other your, stuff. Your album, which is 
so fantastic. So I don't <laughs> want to get too far off of that. But that's, that's so cool to hear. So so that was or nothing and a handful of other <laughs> things. <laughs> Anecdotal <It> was, stuff. <laughs> yeah. Or nothing and other things. Um, and now, so let's get back on track. Let's talk about Desert Creature. It's interesting that we that we're talking about the writing process. Um, in a lot of ways, this is a song kind of about the writing process. Um, it was a song that I wrote, I think, in 2018. Um, so it's it's I think the oldest one on the on the album, um, and went through a lot of different iterations. Um, I remember one performance in college where I played this with just my friend on the cello. It was a guitar and cello, and that was oh, a totally cool. different vibe. And uh -huh. so I've, I've been playing this song for years and years and years, and um, it's really changed and taken a lot of different forms. So that was cool. Um, but it is sort of about the writing process and uh, kind of musing on where we get ideas from um, in the in, in an album that's in a large part are about interpersonal relationships and loss and heartbreak and grief. 
this is sort of a song like, do I have to write about all those things? And (laughs) am I relying on other people to cause me pain in order to get inspiration? Like, do I, do I actually want to get my heart broken? Do I, you know, am I putting myself in situations that are intentionally volatile so that I can like get a good idea for a song? (laughs) Um, Yeah. That's one of those, I think artists questions in general is, I, I feel like that's something a lot of people, even if they're not, I don't want to say a lot of people do that. And I don't want to say that, but it's like a hard thing to be aware of. I just, yeah, as I think as an artist in general, whether you're a musician or any kind of anything else where you'd kind of like need sort of like input to create. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. People ask like, are you, do you have to be sad to write a sad song (laughs) or happy to write a happy song or in love to write a love song? Um, And I think, um, no, (laughs) definitely not. (laughs) But, but especially because, uh, there's so much more to get stories from so many more places Mm -hmm. to get stories from. And even just, uh, a song of questions, which, you know, desert creature is not entirely questions, but, um, the tone of it is questioning. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a whole, that's a whole ass song. It's just, (laughs) it's just right there. there. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about the, the process for writing the, the music Mm. for this song? Yeah. Um, I'm just, there's something, there's like the tone on this one musically is a little different for me in a way I can't quite pinpoint. Definitely. So the song sort of alternates between. Six, eight, and three, four, which, you know, depending on who you ask, are maybe the same things, but also maybe not. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I always tell my students, reduce your fractions. But uh, <laughs> uh, so it's, I, and I, I write in six a lot. Um, it uh, comes pretty naturally to me, so I kind of have to fight myself to not do that. Um, mm-hmm. But when I wrote these chords specifically, I was trying to push myself. Well, I guess I'll go back a little bit. Um, my primary instrument when I started playing music was piano, which okay. is great because the whole alphabet, all of music theory is just laid out in front of you. It's mm-hmm. very easy to see everything. It's a pattern that repeats, um, and you can start to see sort of shapes formed that are in relation to each other, but it's sort of the same no matter where you put it. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I tried to write songs on piano, I would just end up playing the same stuff the same shapes, the same chords, the same, because I was too focused on theory and what was supposed to go together. Mm -hmm. And um, I picked up guitar, I think, specifically to confuse myself so that I didn't have to rely on all that, on that same stuff anymore. Um, Desert Creature was one of those songs that was really born out of experimentation, thinking about you know, maybe this is also a D major seven, but if I play in this way, it's slightly different. Um, (laughs) And uh, I try to confuse myself in those ways. So a lot of the shapes that I was, that I'm making on that song are um, like kind of, I guess, unconventional. For me, they were unconventional Mm -hmm. because they came out of mostly just kind of experimentation, what would sound good. Um, And in that way, I think I've started writing more relying on voice leading and letting the melody guide where the chord wants to go rather than thinking about um, what a chord progression should and could look like. Um, that's why the chords are weird and <laughs> why I end up playing the same chord in like four different positions over the course of the song because um, it just makes, makes made more sense when I was writing it. That is so interesting when you think about like you said, this is a song about, you know, it, it's a question yeah. kind of song yeah. with its own sort of like internal questions. And then for the music also to not be so like, um, like, I keep wanting to say declarative and I don't think that's really what I mean, <laughs> but like, or like imperative or like, I don't know, it's kind of like asking its own, like, what what can this be in the same way? Yeah. Like, or in a similar way anyway. Yeah. I was thinking a lot about where we get where we get songs from, where they come from. Um, yeah, I hadn't made that connection before. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> thank you for thank you for writing it. <laughs> it it definitely does have a different vibe than than mm-hmm. other songs. Um, 
And it did not always have this vibe. Like I said, it kind of went through a bunch of different journeys. Um, I think what we settled on was something that felt a little bit more mellow and a little bit spacier to give room for uh, the build at the end, which is mm-hmm. my favorite part of the song. And uh, when Eli was tracking the drums for it, I sort of there was there was one day during the recording week that that I'd just been tracking instrument after instrument for you know, a couple of days. I was like, I need a break. I'm going to go get coffee. (laughs) Take this song and just add whatever you want into it. And I was like, I honestly don't care. Put whatever you want on it. And, um, and I came back and Eli was like, I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't think of anything. Like I just, I don't really know. So we decided the best way to do it would be to keep it as simple as possible because Mm -hmm. adding more just felt like it was taking away from that kind of swirling heart of the song. It's funny because we've talked a lot about songs that don't, that inter, again, in terms of form and content, um, aren't necessarily talking to each other one for one, right? And then yeah. this is a song that in a way kind of is, but because the form and the content, it's because they're both kind of strange yeah. and more open. Yeah, well, so the the form of the song is verse, verse, bridge, verse. Again, fuck a chorus. Fuck a chorus. <laughs> I didn't, I, I, I was just writing shit down. I didn't, I was not really thinking about, I remember sending the lyrics to my friend and being like, does this need more? And she was like, nope, you said it. I was like, okay. <laughs> you said what you needed to say. There it don't is. Push it. Cool. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah, I have to learn. That's a big thing to learn is don't push it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard though, right? Like, especially I can't, I I can imagine that when you're working on an album, it's you know that when it's done. I mean, obviously, there's the life after of playing mm-hmm. it live, and, mm-hmm. and you can always do things there. But like, you can't like grab everybody's like first listening experience back up and change. It. And I'm sorry, I look like I'm striking fear into your heart. Now. <laughs> no, believe me, I know. <laughs> but but I, I have to imagine it can kind of be hard to let it go. Then. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, especially because we recorded this thing in February of 2021. It's been a full year that yeah. it's been that it's existed and um and even more so since it's been written. So, in a lot of ways I've had to treat uh treat these songs as kind of having their own lives. Um mm-hmm. there's a Lucy Dacus lyric where she says in 5 years I hope these songs feel like covers. And it's just how I've thought of every song I've ever made, that as soon Mm -hmm. as it leaves my bedroom, it is not mine anymore. That's a really valuable and difficult lesson, I think, for, again, for anybody who creates, like, and I'm not a musician, but I'm I'm a writer, Mm -hmm. and, like, thinking about having to let something go like that and be like, now it's... It's its own life now. is yeah. is hard, but I think important for your sanity too. Yeah. <laughs> Just, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> we only have one more song to talk about, um, and before we move into the last song, which will be Beaches, do you have anything um, coming up that you want to plug? Any? Ooh. Um, well, <laughs> I, honestly, my whole Please. life for the last year has led up to this past weekend. So no, <laughs> good, um, good. There you we'll go. have some, we'll have some gigs in May and June, um, that, you know, folks should definitely come check us out at seeing us live is I think, a uh, sort of a different experience. Um, I found a lot of joy and, um, reconnection with the songs through playing them live. So, uh, that's been a cool thing. Um, we have t-shirts. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. No, I mean, <laughs> Um, <laughs> we go spend money on Bell. Like, <laughs> we we have T-shirts. They're cool. They have my face on them. Um, <laughs> I got to look out into the audience uh, at our release show this weekend and see my face on my friend's boobs, and oh. it's all I could have ever asked for. It's all I've That's ever wanted. <laughs> so. Yeah, so if you haven't, listeners, picked up the album yet. Uh, bellmusic.bandcamp.com it's fantastic you can also check out bell's live session with us um which is also at uh, it's left of the dial.bandcamp.com it's on our youtube page it's it's everywhere go buy shirts and, and albums and we'll share your dates as they come up we'll make sure to sick um, to share them too thanks and then of course listeners you can find us at left of the dial pc we are like i said at left of the dial.bandcamp.com i'm at aq andrea q yeah that's everything 
this has been so fun. Let's talk a little bit about beaches and then we will send people um, on their way so they can hear it. Yeah. So beaches, uh, we sort of were talking maybe off the record about my senior (laughs) thesis a couple minutes ago. Um, (laughs) This was a song that I wrote for my senior thesis in college. Uh, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, So that's where it took its first form. Um, But it's a song about... um, at the end of the record, as we go through this whole record about being hurt by people and hurting people and grieving and losing things and figuring yourself out, um, I think it's a song that uh, reminds me to refocus on the people I love, the people who have nurtured me, um, the collective uh, community that I that I find myself in. Um, and it's really about women. I love women. <laughs> this, this whole song is like that, you know, that picture of Saoirse Ronan from Little Women where she's like, women. <laughs> that That's beaches. <laughs> I love that so much. I had so fascinating thinking about it coming out of now – we might need to include some of that talk about your senior thesis because <laughs> yeah, it's now, so relevant Yeah, now we here. kind of do. Well, yeah. so so I was thinking um, the songs on on my like thesis album were all about like um, like girlhood and femininity and um, sort of uh, uh, gender per- performativity as through music, mm-hmm. um, and I was reflecting on an experience. Uh, my first kind of, one of my most formative queer experiences um, growing up and uh, telling that story and then thinking about um, the ways that that has made me more open to love and different forms of loving. And queerness is not just being like, you know, having sex with people of your same gender, which is like Mm -hmm. a very kind of restrictive way to think about it. But Queerness as a way of thinking about a new way of loving um, Mm -hmm. that can translate into the way that you love your friends and your family members and yourself. Um, The conclusion and the reason why I always dedicate this song to my mom is that I think that I've learned so much about what it looks like to love openly and fearlessly and at some times like too, like over the top Um, (laughs) (laughs) and not in a bad way at all Um, from my mom and um, really trying to embody that and uh, using that as a way to get through the, all of the different losses that the rest of the record catalogs. I, this is the song that we featured on last week's episode. Um, I, I love this song so much and it, the, we're the, the voicemails at the beginning. Yeah, that was they, my mom. <laughs> are they part of? Were they part of your senior thesis, or did they get added in? No, that was added. Um, oh, I love that yeah. so much. I had a lot of. Uh, I'm sure every musician feels this, but you like you put something in, you like send the masters off, and then you're like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit! I can't believe <laughs> I did that. No, why did I do that? I had a lot of kind of that stomach churning feeling because um, it, it's so it's so personal. Mm-hmm. Um, this song in particular is, is so personal and I was really embarrassed for a time after I wrote it and kind of when I was thinking about releasing it, cause like, you know, um, it's sort of a coming out song in some ways, right, right. which I like have never really done formally and don't really believe in as a construct, <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but again, we could talk, we could talk forever about this. I have, yeah, that's, um, but, but the voicemails in particular is like a, it's, it's sort of a way to, to envelope the song, um, that, that it's sort of ultimately an ode to matrilineal love and my, like my mom and the way that she has loved me and the way that I've internalized that into loving others and myself. And, um, that's why the voicemails are there. But they are, they are definitely very special and sentimental and mm-hmm. maybe kind of not what you would expect. And I was a little embarrassed about it, but I, uh, <laughs> I, I stand by it. 
yeah, I'm so glad that I'm so glad that you that you did that. And it's such a um, so this is this is a really obvious thing to say that I'm going to start with. But like music can't help but be performative. Mm. Right. Like there's you can be like you said, you can come from a place of, you know, as honest a place as you can. But yeah, it's just the nature of the thing. But then for you to include something that like couldn't be less, it's like your mom assuming at first at least that you were going to be the only one to hear it and like yeah who are you going to be more just like that kind of heart open with than your own kid yeah and then for you to bring that to your listeners it's it's impossible to not then go into that song as a listener with that same kind of or a similar anyway kind of like openness yeah I, I think that song is really remarkable thank you I appreciate you saying that definitely helps me feel better about making the choice when people say that <laughs> that it that it means something to them and I know that it means something to her and I think mm-hmm. you know the um compared to Delilah which we were talking about earlier, which was like not really factually correct, um, <laughs> Beaches tells it kind of pretty much exactly like it is. Um, with the exception of the second verse, which is a little bit more um surreal, surrealist, but a little bit more imagine imaginative, I guess. Um mm-hmm. but the only part that really references my my mom at all is that final segment of the final verse. Um, And uh, it's the, um, God willing, I've got some more chances to risk because my mother's still dancing on into her 60s. And uh, it's like, it's one, it's like a couple small lines, but um, I, I, it's maybe one of the most important things I feel like I've ever written. Kind of like Mm -hmm. a reminder that I, it's something I need to stay true to. That's that's really beautiful. I have – there's nothing I could add to that <laughs> for this episode. I think that's the note we should go out on. That was really beautiful. Thank you so much Thank you. for sharing this album with us and coming to talk with us about it. And um, listeners, go uh, – Listen to Beaches, <laughs> and then when you're at the end of the episode, then go pick up the album and, and put it on repeat because we have been here for sure. Um, yeah, thank you again so much. This has been Left of the Dial. I've been Andrea. Belle has been our guest. And yeah, everybody have a great Friday. Hey, Bunny. It's Mom. Just wanted to call and say hi. Hey, Bunny. Mom and everybody in the kitchen. Um, just calling to tell you you did great. Hi, Bunny. Happy first day. Hope you're having a great day. I love you. Can't wait to see you. Um, and so on. Um,